When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast on Pantheon Podcasts, where you can go to find your most preferred uh, music podcast of any genre that you could possibly find. And Jason's here. Uh, did you have a good holiday? Did you have a good Christmas? Because we're just past Christmas. Yeah. So first, Happy New Year to you. Happy, happy New, New Year. Year to all of our listeners out there. Hopefully everybody had a good, happy, safe, healthy New Year. Brian, I did. had a good holiday. Both kids were back. It was nice to spend some time with some family. I had one of my friends who lives in Baltimore come into town in Columbus to see some family. Um, he got this, he and his daughter got to spend a night with us and I got to, uh, you know, hang out with him again. He's one of my friends from longest friends I've had from high school. So it was a lot of fun. What did you do? What did you do for the holidays? Uh, you know, uh, just my wife and I went over to her mom and stepdad's is like mellow, just a few people. So we like hung that. out on Christmas Eve and then went back over the next day. So yeah, did it was you, good. Any Always. music, music gifts of any sort? No. No, no albums, nothing. Oh, did, did I buy for myself or? Well, did, did did yourself or did anybody give them to you? Um, what's the last thing I got? Uh, Allison Chains on vinyl, uh, Southern one? Harmony, uh, Dirt, Dirt. So I think those are the last two I got. Did you get the the new Southern Harmony remastered one? I believe so. One eighty. That's the one. That, that's the one that like just came out like a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah the new one remastered from the original production tapes. Have you listened to it yet? I haven't. I'm waiting to get. Right now, I don't have like I want to get a receiver, you know, like a just actually authentic yeah. stereo receiver and speakers. Yep. 
I just kind of have these small shelf speakers and I just have the yeah, I got the same thing. I have these little oh. shelf speakers here on mine on on Ace's hat here, but yeah. uh, you know, it's got a built in uh volume and a subwoofer you can tweak a little bit, it's yeah. not too shabby. But I don't have a receiver yet, and I also want to get a receiver. Yeah, so I want to get a little more old school and I'm kind of saving it for that. Yeah. That's gonna be a um, pretty I, epic thing. My wife did get something for me that I was surprised about, and it's um a guest we've had on. She got me this. It's the candle box, oh, nice. the Maverick years, the very first three records. Okay. And then right it on. has a special like uh uh live and B stuff on here. And I was very surprised by that. And I was very excited. So I can't wait to dip into this one. Shortly before that, I got the first Kiss Alive. That was like the weekend of their last shows. I'm struggling. Oh, I couldn't get it back. And I'm like, all right, now I'm back. Well, it's good. It sounds like you and I both had a very, very good, happy um, holiday season. Now, I won't be, I, I'll be able to review what I'm going to mention next, but I've been messaging back and forth with Boone because, of course, the headhunters are going to be here on Friday. And, you know, he does their merch. And yeah, so it's, uh, we're just kind of trying to figure out like what time during the day I can get over there and hang with those. I am, that's going to be great. Short time. Yeah. That's going to be great. Um, it'll be good for you to see um, um, Boone and all the dudes from the headhunters that, that we've had a chance yeah. to talk to. Yeah. I'm not sure who I'm all going to be hanging out with for a short time, but you know, it's going to yeah. be cool. It's going to be cool. It's always nice way. to say hi to people in person that we've had yeah, on here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially yeah. multiple times, like Richard and, and Greg. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. I don't have a show lined up until early February, and that is uh, Charlie Star Acoustic come to Cincinnati. Okay, cool. With his with yeah, Benji with, Shanks. With Benji. I'm going to go say yeah. try to say hey to Eric, too, our, our new guest who was on the, yeah, the yeah, Christmas yeah. special. Yeah, I messaged a little bit with him, and he was happy to be on, and I told him, you know, when I when we go to those shows at the shed, we'll come and say hi. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll, I'll get him a I'll get him a podcast shirt too that he can that he can uh, sport for us as well. Cool. Well, should we just get right into our guest? Yeah, let's do it. Second generation artist. Yeah, we've had a couple second generation artists on here, and we've got a, a dude who. His style of music certainly is not in the vein of what his father does, right, Brian? Right, yeah. Yeah, Tristan Tritt. Of course, his dad is Travis Tritt. Uh, before we, as far as second generation people, we've in the past, we've talked to Graham Whitford from the Shakedown. Tyler Bright in the Shakedown, his dad, Brad Whitford from Aerosmith. Is there, am I missing someone else too? Did we just, uh, just those well, two? Blackstone and Cherry, although Chris, yeah, spoke that's true. To yeah, so we've yeah. had we've had a couple. Yeah, um, so yeah, great guy. Um, he uh, he has some kind of you know southern kind of sounding song or two, but then he's got like a a pop thing going on, and uh, you know it's like even if even if the music is in our wheelhouse, you're gonna hear how much he is a fan and and grew up, you know, with this authentic kind of music and you know. Oh. Yeah, a lot of new artists, you know, younger guys, um, younger artists, I should say, aren't going to do that straight up blues or Southern, you know, that that we've kind of had. So it's good, like to your point of hear all the, you'll hear about it, all the, the things that influenced him and he's doing his own thing. And I'm telling you, that No Filter song has a really good hook, man. It's it's really stuck it is, in yeah. my, 
my head today is a little bit of an earworm. It is for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, wonderful time we had with him, uh, digging, you know, everything he has to say and, and everything he talks about. So you guys kick back and relax and listen to our, in, in our chat with Tristan Tritt. segment of the podcast and you know you guys know i always throw it over to jason to introduce uh the guest that we have today yep and again brian's already kind of we talked about in the opening but today on the podcast we're extremely excited to have on an up-and-coming artist you're gonna love him it's tristan tripp how you doing tristan i'm doing fantastic how about you guys we're good we're good how's everything in atlanta ga uh, not too bad. It's warm, cold, warm, cold, you know, typical stuff. <laughs> How long have you been in Atlanta? I've been born and raised out here uh, pretty much all my life. And then okay. once I started getting into music, I kind of go back and forth and live in between Georgia and, and Nashville because it's about a three-hour drive. Right on. That's cool. I was going to figure Nashville for the most part. Are you considered an artist out of Nashville or is really Georgia, again, kind of your home base? Um, originally, I would say Georgia, but over – over the past couple of years, my band's based out of Nashville, my producers, most of the people I write with. So I would, I, I guess I would call myself a Nashville artist. Well, being from Atlanta, that's, you know, of course, we're huge fans of, you know, uh, more than a couple bands in Atlanta. But, you know, if it weren't for the Black Crows, this podcast wouldn't exist. And of course, we've uh, fallen in love with Blackberry Smoke as well. Hit Charlie on a couple, two, three times and you know, some other great bands, you know, in that area. So uh, it's got to be what I mean, what like you growing up there, what what how has that been for you in Atlanta? Is that reverberated to you at all or or anybody else? One hundred percent. I I fell in love with the Black Crows when I was about 15 years old and I had no idea because I say from I'm from outside of Atlanta, but I'm really close to Marietta, Georgia, where the Robinson brothers got started and it was just surreal to have that much of a of a culture be inflicted in the world of rock and roll in the 90s from a small town like Marietta. And I mean, Blackberry Smoke, same thing. They're just incredible musicians. I've had the pleasure of um, meeting them a few times um, years and years ago, but it's it, it really is incredible. And we've got Mastodon, too, from Kennesaw. So right. it's, yep. it's a pretty, pretty healthy uh, ecosystem of artists out here. So that, that's been beneficial for you. Like, like we always ask our artists, like, you know, is there, do you consider it that there's still a scene or is the scene nowadays all on social media? Like what, 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 you know, even when you started out, what's Atlanta been like for you? Did you were able to play around there or do you have to go further out towards Nashville or? 
ironically, I haven't started playing the actual city until about a year and a half ago. So I, I really got started in Metro Atlanta and um, kind of found all my guys through either the bar or college scene uh, near KSU, found my original guitar player out there and then started playing a little bar in uh, Marietta called Johnny McCracken's, this little Irish pub, really cool spot, but just met band members for there and it kind of snowballed. And that was like the first iteration of when I got started and I've moved on from then, but it still holds very near and dear to me having not really a scene, but finding those musicians who were almost intentionally out of the scene where they could really hone in their craft and eventually move on to other projects, whether it be in Nashville or Atlanta or you name whatever city. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's kind of got its own natural ecosystem, like any, any small town would, cause you've got a lot of people who don't really know the music industry side, but they're extremely gifted and, and dedicated musicians. So that's always cool to see, you know, uh, how long have you been playing? Like, did you start playing like really super young and, at what point did you know, like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do? Um, I started playing guitar at about 11 years old. And funny enough, I didn't know this is what I wanted to do until I had no choice. Um, and by that, I mean, I was I started working as a production assistant as soon as I turned 18. Did that for about two years and then moved to Arizona, did um, audio engineering school. After that, that was about a nine month program. I moved to Newport Beach and did an internship with bands like Dirty Heads and Sublime with Rome and guys like that. And that was as soon as I got out to Newport in 2019, I thought that was going to be my end all be all. So I was kind of putting all my chips into, you know, one hand and things just didn't happen for whatever reason. And luckily, I was the person I was staying with was their manager and he was extremely open to me and was just like, Hey, so like what, like I've already got someone in this position and I'm not saying it's, it's completely closed off, but at this moment in time, there's no, there's no position to fill. So what are you going to do? And I thought about it for a long time and it freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was distraught because everything that I just counted on was, was gone. So we went, I went back home to Georgia for Thanksgiving and right before I was about to fly back to my last trip to California before the internship was over, I talked with my sister and she's an artist and she looked at me and she goes, Tristan, I can see you're stressed out. She goes, but just a crazy thought you've done everything in the industry so far you, or you've, you've dipped your toe into it besides the most fun part. And she's like, what, what would you, what would you think about being an artist? And at the, at the time I was honestly, I had stage fright, like nobody's business. Like it was, it was a, it was a problem. But I thought about it and and kept thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? This might be worth a shot. Fast forward a couple months later, 2020 happens, COVID happens, the world shuts down. Fortunately, I'm in a, a smaller area where bars and, and, and certain clubs were still kind of open, either half capacity or not. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? To get over this fear, I'm going to do an open mic three, four times a week. Just Just go in there and sing. And just get this out of my system where I like I, I can train my brain to not be so freaked out. And I would do I, I would do this for a few weeks. And the first time I did it, I'll never forget. I couldn't I had three songs I was going to play in the first two. My hands were trembling so bad I could barely play the chords, you know, so it was just it was a mess. But as soon as I kind of crossed over that hump, I realized very quickly that, number one, it's not going to kill you. 
that that fear and trepidation of of something especially that you hold in high regards like i do with music it's really just it's an illusion and i had to i had to tell myself to get over it and almost separate myself from the thing that i love so much but once it happened that was when i was like oh i can actually do this and it started to snowball got a guitar player got a drummer and before i knew it it was i mean the re- the rest is kind of history. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So when did you start, when do you start like writing your own songs and knowing like that you're going to, you know, you're going to have your own band, you're going to be ahead of it all. And 20, the, the summer of 2020, I started really getting serious and uh, started putting pen to pad, which was honestly, that was the scariest part of the whole deal. That was 10 times worse to me than a live performance because you can go up on stage and do covers. But when you start writing, uh, your own lyrics or your own melodies, you're almost naked because you're putting something out there that's 100% you. And that scared the, I mean, it scared the hell out of me forever. So 2020 put me in that mindset where I was like, okay, you know, what do you got to lose? And since then, for the last three years, that's been my life, you know, fully dedicated to it. So was that your first public performances? Did you ever do anything internally with family, friends before that? Not really. I did, uh, as a kid, me and my sister, I, I think not far after 9-11 happened, we would go on stage if we were around my dad and do God Bless America. You know, he'd hold the mic or something. It was just like one of those little cute things, but nothing nothing serious ever. So you sing on stage with your dad. Who was your dad? <laughs> my dad is a, a country singer named Travis Tritt. There we go. We didn't want to bring that up. We thought it would be natural for you to work that in. <laughs> Okay. So listen, your dad has been a country artist forever. Mm-hmm. You you never thought to go and perform or incur- anybody encouraged to, to perform up until your sister and when kind of the COVID thing shut down. Yeah. I to be honest, that's the truth. I I was so I I always loved music. I always loved the live aspect of it because I grew up in it and it really it kind of had the opposite effect on me. 
Keep going. It, it kind of <laughs> had the opposite effect on me where uh, I almost saw it as something that was unattainable because I saw such massive and incredible productions where it was almost like if if you're – if your father was like a Spielberg or something like that, you'd feel kind of crummy making a home video on a VHS tape. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it, it just, it really, it, it was a daunting thing at first, but yeah, over time you start looking back on how much of an influence that had on me as a kid and how it translates over now. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And that was a really good comparison with like, Hey, Spielberg's kid, you know, this is guy's kind of top of his game. So was there anything about the recording process, engineering that you saw from your dad's career that interested you? Hey, kind of turned you away from doing the performance piece, but from like that engineering producing side. Absolutely. Um, I really got into analog gear. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old soul at heart. I'm 24, but I've always loved old Neve consoles, SSLs, tube, tube amps, you know, mm -hmm. just classic analog gear. That's always been my bread and butter. So even growing up as a kid and not knowing what these things did, these pretty lights and, you know, racks and side fills and all that stuff that always drew my attention. Cause I'm a gearhead at heart. So engineering I thought would be the next step. And it, and it, it really opened my eyes to how incredibly talented those people are. And that's a special, special type of person. So do you remember the first song you wrote and in what your influences were up to that point? Like, did you, when you, first wrote a song you know i you know we know you have a bunch of different influences but was there anybody direct that you were thinking of when you're you're writing stuff or is just more natural or how that'll work for your doing your first song yeah the first song i ever wrote was um it was a song that me and my guitarist kind of just came up with and it was called i i'm a huge black sabbath fan so i'm not too proud of the title because i could have been more original but it was called snowblind <laughs> And it yeah, was, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was its own thing, but it really had a lot of roots in old Sabbath and like kind of making a more modernized version of, you know, the more darker side of things, addiction and like the feelings and just kind of living vicariously through people I've heard anecdotal stories about or, you know, friends or any, anything like that. So that was the first take of writing songs and honestly writing songs that had more of a storyline to them as opposed to just a, a memorable riff. Yeah, I'm going to hope that the Sabbath version is a little bit different from yours. You said your perspective of like being on the outside. I think theirs was written from the actual yeah, perspective yeah, yeah, of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you wrote that, Tristan? Come on. I was, uh, I was 19, so God no. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. So what, what, drew, what drew you to that older style of music? Because again, obviously that's not what your dad was, was playing and doing mm -hmm. with the and being an old soul you probably are, are more into that 60s 70s 80s hard rock yeah i well to be honest i think it shifted the generation but guitar hero that puts so many people my age in the forefront of making old music cool again and it really changed the game of how i'm you know as well as i do when someone plays you music especially your parents even if it's the most badass band in the band or in the world yeah it kind of takes off the shimmer a little bit because it's your it's parents. It's not cool because it's your parents. Exactly. <laughs> Guitar Hero made it where it's a bunch of kids playing Black Sabbath, Motley Crue, Warren, um, Dragon Force, just all these really crazy, cool, psycho bands that I'd never been ex experienced with. And it, it, it just got me. I don't know what it is, but those riffs just 
it blew me away because growing up in the early 2000s, rock was kind of, or not kind of, it was really leaning more towards that industrial yeah. three, three days grace, which I love all those bands. Kind of corporate it, rock or, you know, kind of mainstream exactly. radio rock. Yeah, exactly. So having, having a taste of like the good old 1969, 70s bands that were just raw, it just, you combine that with my love for analog gear and I find out that everything back then was obviously analog mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my God, like where's this been all my life? <laughs> that's really, that's a real interesting thing, man. I'm, I'm glad you said that. We have a lot of newer artists on, younger artists like yourself and we ask them a lot of questions. Like my thing was, hey, was YouTube or, you know, guys get on Instagram, TikTok mm -hmm. really inspiring you, but nobody's brought up guitar hero but I, there's probably a lot more of the guitar players and people your age that we're seeing that are inspired by that that's a really interesting take mm -hmm. yeah and it's been crazy just talking to other bands and and artists that are my age and it really was like the zeitgeist for that day and it, and it changed how we all looked at music and it really brought us back to like classic art i think that 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 game series within itself created a resurgence for all those great guitar driven songs. And that's amazing. It would seem like uh, whatever, you know, that you were being presented with on, I don't know if it was FM radio or MTV, whatever, when you heard this stuff on, on guitar hero, it was like, Whoa, what, like, why haven't I heard this yet? Is that kind of a reaction? Like, well, listen to how good this is and how mm -hmm. come I haven't heard as much of this. No, it, it absolutely did that. And, and as soon as, I found the songs on Guitar Hero, the snowball effect started happening. YouTube was in its adolescence, but there was still enough videos where you could like, if you found your niche, you could find it. And I could start looking up songs. There was a great um, radio station based out of Atlanta that's no longer there, unfortunately, but it was called Project 961. And as soon as I started getting into rock, that that radio station was on, you know, it was just permanently on in my room. And it, it really did open the doors for me, not just with the old stuff, but with the more modern sound and even the more um, niche and, and obscure subgenres of, of, of rock. And that's one of the things I fell in love with it was how many different categories there are. So besides Guitar Hero, does, does it, anything have to do with it from being from the South? Because you know, when we've talked to a lot of artists from the Southeast and as much as there's passionate people, passionate about music everywhere, it seems like in the South and the Southeast, it's almost like written into, you know, your genes or genetics. I mean, does that have anything to do with it for you as well, along with Guitar Hero or? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a, um, there's almost a permanent tone, especially in the summer as well, of, of just this odd, musical symphony that goes on whether it's with the insects or whether it's with the it's 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 a the south in itself especially the deep south where we're all located on is very much just the nature is is it's an orchestra and the influences of black culture appalachia all these different things that come in uh delta blues that finds your what it, it definitely found its way to me because that's one of my family's favorite things to listen to is like old muddy waters, Howlin' Wolf and, you know, guys like that. So I always had this love for classic blues riffs and, and just singing from the heart. So that, that is 100, that's about as Southern as it gets. 
So let's get around to, uh, you know, your latest single and, and the stuff that you've, you've done so far. I mean, I hear some of that Southern influence in it, but you've got a, a, a kind of like a more like a, like a modern kind of pop side as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Throughout um, the last couple of years, I've really started to find my footing and part of the, the fight that I've been in with myself has been someone who on one hand loves analog gear and loves tubes and, and a full band and everything. But especially as an up and coming artist and a solo artist, that stuff can get expensive. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you kind of have to find a way to meet in the middle. And once I started working out of Nashville, I really started to open my mind and work with producers who were so proficient in pro tools or logic or Ableton. And they were incredible with using these plugins that are just updating every single week, it seems like. And once those, once I opened my mind to that, these new sounds that I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't against, but I wasn't, it wasn't in the, in the mindset for the original recordings that I did. Recently though, with these new songs, the one I just released, No Filter, the upcoming single that I'll be dropping soon and pretty much the rest of the year, it's all got, an influence of both analog and digital, which is super, super cool to me. It's, it's, it's Radiohead, it's nine inch nails. It's all of those great nineties bands that were really kind of the first people to start doing that on a larger scale and make it work for rock. Yeah. Well, Brian, I, I like this, the first single, sorry. Uh, it's very catchy. I'm, I'm going to give you that. It's got a really good hook to it. Um, it's, I listened to it a couple more times today and it's kind of stuck in my head and I get, Brian, I get a little bit of a, a Tyler Bryant, but a little bit more like I'd uh, say mainstream poppy than blues rock. But it's it's Tristan. It's really good. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And there's it, it's so hard because for the last few years, trying to figure yourself out that you always have people that immediately want to label you in a category of like, OK, well, yeah, you're rock. But what kind of rock are you? And I've always struggled with that question because it's like for me, music is how you're feeling at that moment. And when you're writing music, it could be something could influence you that day or minutes before and completely change the direction of how the song goes. So it may you may say, hey, you know, you're you're in this category of like you love Tyler Bryant, you're, but you're like you can be a Tyler Bryant or you can be a Foo Fighters or you can be this, but you got to stay in that category. And I get especially in this world now with algorithm, that's important because you want you want to be consistent. But Part of the fun of being an artist is being able to just get something down and create something that you feel at that moment because it's only a representation of what what's going on right now. That's not who I am a, a week later or, you know, two years down the line. So the music changes just, just like anyone else should. Well, it shows the diversity, too. I mean, you, you got you have like a like that Southern kind of whatever blues based blues rock kind of sound, but then you, you got pop music too, that, that plays into it. Like, so then that is good for you that you can't, it's most interesting artists are the ones that can't be just stuck in one lane or category that, that there is more to it than that. Absolutely. And I, I think, I think a perfect example of that is for me, one of my biggest heroes is the Rolling Stones and the amount of times they've kind of reinvented themselves. And even if at the time that album Piss people off. Like, remember when they released the the single "Miss You," and it mm -hmm. was a it was a disco record. A lot of people didn't like it, but now when you look back in their entire catalog, that was one of the most successful songs they ever did. 
because number one, it's a great representation of the seventies. It was exactly what was going on in that moment. It was, it was exactly what was, you know, their influence. And you can't change that. The Robinson brothers did the exact same thing with the black crows. When Chris was really into the dead, it showed in the albums that he released. There was a lot more of a jam band dynamic. Yeah, I've been I've been listening to a lot of Grateful Dead lately, and I really realize how much they have a wide, wide variety of you know. So that that's that's good when you can, can when an artist has that. Yeah, and uh, Jerry Garcia was a huge bluegrass fan, so you really saw it in his playing of just his love for that technicality that's so unique to you know that genre for for bluegrass. Want to ask you more about the songwriting, like for you. Is it, I'm going to sit down and write a song? Do you catch like a vibe from something? Like if you're driving around, do you have to like put your phone up and sing something into it? Like, does it natural? Is it planned? Is it both? How's that work for you? It, it really, it's a, it's a combination of both because I can't stand when people just give the excuse of, well, I'm not inspired right now. It's like, well, it's no one's ever really inspired 24 seven. It's the consistency, but uh, with something as creative as songwriting, you do have to be able to catch an idea as soon as it comes out. So I've gotten a lot better of doing exactly what you just said, pulling up my phone and doing a voice memo or writing something down. If I've got a title, you know, a title name or a concept, just getting that in as soon as possible, because chances are, give it a couple seconds, it's going to be gone. So it, you also, you're working on new material as well. Like what, 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 uh, what can you say about that? Or what, what do you got coming so j just in the last couple of weeks, I've had a uh, 2023 was a very interesting year, but it was I'd say more than anything, it was inspiring. Um, just certain events happened that happened in any any person's life. But it really allowed me to write from a, a certain place of authenticity that I haven't felt in a long, long time. So we've been cranking out songs like crazy. And the last I'd say three and a half weeks, I've been just nose to the grindstone writing lyrics going to Nashville and creating demos for what are going to be the tracks for next year. And we've already got some in the chamber. So it's, it's exciting. Are you recording at one studio or are you are you using multiple ones around Nashville? So I, I recorded, I, I don't think I've ever really recorded besides in Nashville or I'm sorry, besides in Marietta years and years okay. back, nothing ever really got released, but I've never really recorded in a studio. Everything else is pretty much like, you know, in Nashville, they're so good with their equipment. You can set it up in a in a broom closet almost, and you get quality sound. So it's pretty much people's home, you know, home studio. Okay, so you're kind of mixing around. You're doing kind of songs as they're ready to go and for you to record and kind of building up your up to your EP. Absolutely. Or we just kind of go in there with a, a concept and then build the track from there and just, you know, do it all in one take. Uh, are your live band members also the guys who are doing the recruited studio recordings with you? Uh, typically no, the, uh, my guys are really good, but they're more live musicians for the, they, they do a lot of work in Broadway and stuff like that. Okay. And the session guys that I use, typically it doesn't get larger than two or three people in the room with me. I, I I've done, I've done both worlds of having, you know, five, six piece band in a live room and doing all that. And that's incredible. But when you have to be frugal at some points, you got to like downsize. Cause I, there'd be nothing better than to have the, you know, Dave, Dave Grohl sound city set up where you can just <laughs> go in there and record with the whole shebang. But yeah, right now I keep it, I keep it about as simple as I can. 
I understand that. So I'm taking it. You've seen the Sound City uh, documentary. I love that. I love that documentary. And you said the Neve board, too, because I believe that's the one that he recovered from that, right? It absolutely is. There were so many classic records made at that what became a pretty dingy studio. Is there one thing? Is there one record that sticks out to you on your favorites or a couple? Anything Tom Petty. Oh, there you yeah. go. Tom Petty. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am from the South, but I think songwriter wise, he's up there with Dylan. He's always yep. been a massive, massive inspiration. And I kick myself in the ass every day for not being able to see him live. Oh yeah. Like the first time I saw Petty live, casual fan i'll tell you the truth honestly i went because the black crows had reformed off the first hiatus and we're opening for tom petty and i like tom petty casually we go to the show and he plays two plus hours i'm like i knew it. there was not one song i didn't know in over two hours and that's how incredibly deep and good and well played of a catalog he had yeah it's it's he he was one of those up there with like you know prince and guys like that that just really I, I it it shouldn't have been Tom Petty and the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It should have been Tom Petty and the Hitmakers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I just saw the documentary you did about the making of Wildflowers. That was that was freaking awesome. Of course, mm -hmm. up here. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's incredible. It's incredible. And you even, said all of Brian's favorite bands: The Stones, Tom yeah. Petty. What else do we need to use? The Dead. What else we got, Brian? Uh, Black Crows and Blackberry Black Smoke. Crow. We mentioned them already too. So Tristan, <laughs> you're good company here. You can come back to talk to us anytime because you're, you know, you like the right stuff. Hey, I, I try to. I try to. It's great when we got uh, young cats liking good music, man. I got to compliment you there. Well, trust me, it's it's fun now at 24, but when you're a kid in middle school and you're listening to like deep cuts of mud crutch and stuff, and people are looking at you going, "What? What are you doing right now?" Like it's it was I was. <laughs> I was kind of in my own lane. It, I, I wasn't playing my, my song at parties. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, my kids, so my son's getting ready to turn 21. My daughter's 18. Uh, they've asked for me to make playlists, particularly my daughter, of like stuff I like growing up, like the Guns N' Roses, Zeppelin, Black Rose, Aerosmith, just because they're like, hey, there's not anything really like that on the radio. And if I want to rock, what should I listen to? That, that's awesome and that's like a generational thing that like they're gonna treasure and every time they hear that song they'll think about you same way like when you just when you hear songs throughout your childhood or anything like that or throughout a, a difficult moment that song whether it's someone who showed it to you or whether you found it yourself through a you know particular peak or valley in your life that song is always going to hold weight to them that's awesome that you get to do that so the, you're coming out with an ep now you know, some people just do singles, you know, we got people that still make records and stuff. Was that like a conscious decision? Is that, is it, are you learning about like the business part of music and stuff too? Is that like your best, you know, that's what's going to be best for you at this time to, to, you know, do an EP and then let other songs kind of grow and mature and as you're writing them or. I, I love the business side of, of anything really, but with the music world, it's so difficult and, and tedious because, we're kind of, I think we're all playing this game where we're trying to figure out what's going on. Some people know more than others, but I don't think anyone really has the answers. I don't think anyone ever has, but because it's, it's such a subjective thing, but based on this digital world that we're living in and Spotify and, and all these DSPs, it makes sense to do single releases every, you know, six, eight weeks and just kind of keep that consistency going as opposed to having one built up album if you don't have the following for it yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Great. I, I think I see, is that a Guns N' Roses poster over your left shoulder? It absolutely is. Nice. Is that from like a, is that from one of the concert series? Uh, yes, that was a, the Not In This Lifetime tour. Did you go? I did. I did. And give us, give, what did you think? I'm a massive fan of Slash. Always have been, always will be. Um, love the you rest are of the a good kid. You are, you are a really good kid. <laughs> we like this guy. <laughs> yeah. no, I just, I, I'm such a chatterbox and such an, such the opposite of what he is where he's just got the long hair over his face and doesn't really say anything. Yeah. I always like envied that. So I'm like, dude, I'd love to be the mysterious dude that just shuts up and people just think I'm cool, but I can't. So when I got to, when I heard that they were going on tour, I was already planning on seeing Miles Kennedy and Slash. But yep. then this got announced, and I was like, okay, now I have to go see him because Appetite for Destruction is hands down top three records if I'm going on an island for the rest of my life. that That's one of my records. That's one of the few 10 out of 10 records, I think, that have at least been made in, during my lifetime. Start to finish. I think that Stadium Arcadium and OK Computer are my three that I can just listen to all the way down. Interest Stadium Arcadium then, huh? Very, very different from the hair metal type yeah. sound. And I love, I just love that approach that they do. They're, they're such different musicians, but they find a way to make it work. And that's kind of what the magic is of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And it's, yeah, I think it's just a masterpiece. I really do. In the Radiohead stuff, like what, what brings you into the Radiohead? I was actually dating a girl who put me more onto Radiohead. I knew the, I knew the, the larger tracks like Creep and, you know, everyone yeah. knows Creep. But I was always into Muse, funny enough. And she she asked me, she was like, well, have you like have you heard Radiohead? They sound like a lot like Muse. I was like, yeah, I've heard that. She's like, no, like listen to this album and, and check out the whole thing. And I listened to it one time. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. Then I started listening to it again. And it was one of those things where like the songs became earworms. And then when you do the story on it, a lot of the, I guess a lot of the album was based off of a hitchhiker's guide of the galaxy, which... Tom York just loved. So I always thought that was fascinating. And then you get the whole story of why it's called OK Computer and like Karma Police, you know. Subterranean <laughs> Alien Blues or whatever. No, no, wait, that's a Dylan song. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, whatever. All the songs. Yes. yes. Fantastic. But yeah, I just, I, I love the, how different it was. And especially back then in the 90s, I can only imagine what people were kind of going back and forth on because it was such a, a left turn for how music was originally you know this was really a a, a a transition period of of rock and roll in the 90s and i think that's one it, it makes it one of the greatest eras of all time so we always ask our artists um who else that that has been around about the same amount of time as you maybe a little longer similar age range do you dig is there someone you know we we hear about a lot of new bands like i'm always you know just crazy searching for new bands you know is there anybody that we may not have heard of whatever i haven't listened to him yet but i know that you're doing the cool headlining tour with america part two and sounds like a cool name for a band i haven't listened to him yet they are they are fantastic and they really have a unique style that i think is I, I i hate comparing artists to other people but they have that kind of energy of almost like a highly suspect and highly suspect if we're talking a band that's been around for, you know, 10, 15 years, they're probably my top go-to of who I'm going to listen to just because they have such a crazy, for a three-piece band, they have such a crazy amount of energy and such a large wall of sound with them 
that really just it gives you the best of both worlds where they incorporate a lot of digital sounds and a lot of cool production techniques but also keep it very analog and just you know guitar into the amp and just let it rip well who else but is there any is there anybody else like the, the, that is like their their career is kind of building the same as yours that you know or is it are supportive of each other is anybody out there like just Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's, there's a, um, more of an indie band called, and I've actually written with, uh, the lead singer, but they're called social animals and they're fantastic. Hmm. Very, very good band. Um, seven year, witch, fantastic. Yeah. Band. Seven year, that is, that's a great, they're like a seventies hard rock band. I dig Brian. Have you listened to a seven? Yeah, I have. Yeah. 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 I did a, I did a tour with them last year and that was, that was the hardest I've ever had to work in my entire life. Because those guys, how were they live? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They, from the moment they start, it didn't matter if we were doing a 30 minute set or 45 minute set. They were just on, 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 on. You got the lead singer doing backflips. You've got the whole band just killing it. They've got a guitar player who I swear to God is Jimmy Page's son. It's, it's incredible. They're, they truly are one of the best bands I've ever seen perform ever let alone have the pleasure of touring with them. And this just watching YouTube videos of America part two, these guys look like they're going to be, they're, they're going to make me work just as hard. <laughs> I love and it. I, I, I love those guys, man. That That's it. Have you heard of a band called La Chinga? I have not. Canada. Check I La Chinga out. And then also, um, Oh, let me give you another one to, to, to pull out. So La Chinga is one. And then, um, Primal Moon would be another one that would that would be maybe up your up your alley. So La Chinga, Primal Moon, and then I think those are, those would be two good ones to check out, particularly if you like Seven Year Witch. Heck yeah, heck yeah. And there was a I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the name, and I'm sorry if they ever hear this, but they had a great song a couple of years back called Sawed Off Shotgun. Shotgun. And you, but the only reason I remember because you just said Canadian band. I think these guys are based out of Canada too, and they're kick ass. I mean, they're so so good. Is that Monster Truck? No, I'm trying. I'm I'm so drawing a blank on it right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not always up to speed with all my Canadian rock bands, but I know this Lachinga. They put out a new record this year. It's really good. Actually, at the beginning of October. It's it's a really good one to check out. Absolutely. I'm putting those down right now so I can actually yeah. check them out. Now I'm distracted talking about music because you're a guy after our taste, and this is this is good. That's what we're <laughs> here for. Hey, that's, it music. makes it easy. It does. It does make it easy uh, for sure. Um, you got a tour getting ready to start up. Is this your first kind of expanded tour as a as a, a co-headlining act? Um, we did the first one I ever did um, last year with Seven Year Witch, and that was kind of the initiation process. And this is kind of a continuation of it um mainly just because it, it's it's a lot of new markets in the southeast but it's still the southeast yep. so it's it's home to me but i'm getting to check out a lot of venues that i've wanted to for a long time and and expose myself to a lot of new places is there a, any specific like difference or challenge like when you're you're playing with your live band compared to the studio guys or is it just pretty easy transition it, it all depends there with a live band, you have a, a cool dynamic where you're everything's based off of adrenaline. So songs have a tendency to 
have like human flaw in them. And I mean that in the best way possible is in like, sometimes like you, you truly can't help yourself. You're either rushing sometimes, or sometimes you're like, it, it's, it's a rush. The entire thing is a rush, but you are rushing in a technical sense because sometimes your heart rate just, I mean, it, it makes your tempo go up, but there's a, there's a, a, a sort of almost meditative process when you're in the studio where everyone's kind of trying to get into the same mindset. It's almost like a religious thing uh, without sounding cliche that everyone's trying to get in the same mindset. Everyone's trying to find out where we're all going to go. And that's kind of the spot. There's a lot more of a spontaneous nature of being in the studio because you don't know what's happening yet, as opposed to a live show where everything's kind of already set in place. So I've got a, I got to give you a compliment, you know, and, you know, and I'm trying to figure out like how I'm going to do this and that, because, you know, we don't want to talk about the obvious, but I'll say it like this. Like when we talked to Tyler Bryant and the first time was just him, but then he had Graham Whitford for him. So so you and Graham, you and Graham, both second generation artists. And I remember when we talked to Tyler the first time, he specifically told us like Graham you know, he's been on tour buses and stuff, but he wants to drive around in a van. And I guess I'm assuming that, 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 that Graham's dad and your dad, you know, or maybe has told you guys, you guys got to like earn it. You guys got to like do the, Absolutely. do the grind and all that. Like, instead of, you know, which I think is cool if that's the case, instead of, you know, well, Hey, you got the last name. So just, you know, cr- you know, you know, cruise on that. Is it my kind of accurate? No, no, there? no. You're absolutely right. And to extrapolate on that further, um, in 2020, when I said this is like what I wanted to do, both of my parents were like extremely uh, supportive. They just said, absolutely. That's that's fantastic. But not not short after that conversation, it was like, so how are you going to do it? How are you going to figure it out? Because like, do you got money saved up? Do you have do you know the gear to buy and stuff? So I was on my own to figure it out. And I think that's the best way to do it because it's like, it's like anything else in my life. I had to, I had to earn it in order to appreciate what it is. And and it's just human nature. If something's given to you or you feel like you have nothing to risk, I don't think you're going to go hundred percent into it. And, and Graham's a perfect example of that. He is 100% dedicated to it. And it was so refreshing a couple years back. I had uh, I had dinner with him and his girlfriend and they were just the most humble people you could ever meet. But I could just tell by the way he talked and the way he carried himself that this guy was someone who he had something to prove for himself. And I really respect that when I see that in an artist who comes from a second generation or a third generation of, of people who have been in the entertainment industry, because it's not always common, just like anything else. You know, the person that gets the the dad's company with a mom's company, they, they sometimes don't, they have a separation of what it took to create such a thing. Mm-hmm. And in music, yeah, there, there's exceptions where you can, you know, kind of carry on your, your mother, father's legacy by doing a, like a continuation of the band or the artist. But really, if you're going to be a true artist, you got to be on your own and you have to really just be authentic and do whatever works for you because you can't replicate the same thing. And that was, that was the uphill battle for me when I first got started was, I just started growing out my hair for the first time in my life, which probably wasn't the best timing because I'm grabbing a guitar now and standing on stage. My last name is Tritt, but I, I always fought uphill to make sure that it was my sound and it was the things that I want to do, not the things that people expected of me because I couldn't live with myself when I, if I, if I did that. 
So obviously it's just doesn't it doesn't just happen by osmosis. No, no. I think I think a lot of it is is just being committed to something and staying dedicated to it. Like I I hate this notion, and I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for this from other artists, but I hate this notion where people they build it up almost on a pedestal where it seems like it's unattainable. It's a difficult thing, but in reality, it's like it's just like any other skill that you want to learn. If you're if you're willing to put the time into it and you're willing to put the you know, hours that it takes to watch yourself go from sucking to sucking less and then eventually going <laughs> yeah. good to awesome. like it, it's a slow burn. A slow burn. So in- I'm still working on the sucking less on the podcast part. <laughs> How many episodes, Brian? 180 something. Hey, no, hey, but you're I, right. I, Tristan, it's like playing a sport, right? Like you gotta start and you gotta build up your skills and you get better and you move up and you just got to keep, got to be tenacious. You got to have some talent, but you got to be tenacious too. Absolutely. And, and hard work outbeats talent almost every time. And it's the, one of, one of the quintessential ex- examples of that is like the amount of people I've seen who really, they came to Nashville or they got started and they didn't know anyone. I mean, anyone. And they really, I would see some of these cats live and they were, they were good, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like seeing Hendrix, but over time you give it five, six, seven, ten 10 years, they kept going when everyone else started pulling back. And over time, now they're selling out, you know, arenas and stadiums. And it's like that right there that I don't see that and get jealous. I see that and I see hope and it's like, okay, well that there, there you go. There's no right formula, but it seems to me that those who just keep sticking with it can pull it. They have a lot, greater chance of success as opposed to those people who just kind of are half half in half out so jason are we are we gonna talk some gear talk jason's guitar player or are we gonna do that we we want to roll that in like the lightning round stuff because i've got some gear questions yeah go ahead brian we good yeah yeah is it that time of the show it is that time of the show brian Kristen, we're gonna (laughs) Do our famous lightning round where we ask random questions. Are you good? Are you yeah. good to go? I'm good to go. All right. Well, we'll start with some gear talk. So what's the first guitar you ever owned? It was a Fender Stratocaster, but it was a Squire. So I guess you call it a Squire Stratocaster, black and white. Not, do you still own it? I do. It's somewhere out there, but it was a, it was for a kid. So if I played it now, it kind of looked oh, like the Oh, sh- the short one? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Bring that on stage. See what you can do with it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. What's your most recent piece of gear you you bought? Most recent piece, most recent piece of gear I got. I guess it would be my in ear monitor rack. It was a PSM, uh, PSM Sure Sure PSM three hundred. I believe. Are you in ear all the time? Not all the time. I'm trying to get better okay. at it because I'm I'm getting the permanent ring, and it's it's okay. like okay, I'm twenty four, and this is only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that, man. You don't, yeah, you got a long road ahead of you. Don't screw Absolutely. yours up now. Absolutely. Uh, what's what's the most recent guitar? I'll tell you. What is your number one guitar right now? My number one guitar is probably I've got a Johnny Cash edition uh, Martin. I don't play on stage very often, so my Martin is what I write all my songs with and do it. So I'm I'm playing that the most. But um, electric wise, I got to go with my Stratocaster. As much as I love my Les Paul, that thing's a neck breaker. <laughs> what kind of, okay now you're talking my language what kind of less ball do you have i've got a uh i've got a deluxe sunburst les paul and it's it 60s or 50s neck 
Uh, it's a fifties neck. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a pretty, it's a pretty good piece of wood there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm a little guy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm five foot eight, but like it, it, it gets a little heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It does. The wide straps and the padded straps come in handy. I put almost all these padded straps on my, of course my two Les Pauls have them, but even oh, some yeah. of my lighter guitars, I put a padded strap on now because I'm old neck, shoulder, back problems, you know, it hey, wears I, it down. Absolutely. You got to do that. I love that, Les Pauls. Yeah, you got to do the Stevie Ray Vaughan type with, you know. You you do, you really do. So you're you're not playing a lot of guitar on stage, then you're just letting your lead lead guy go. I, I'm really letting them go because I I love playing guitar on stage. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not I'm not willing to do the Ted Nugent or Garth Brooks Britney Spears mic, and I just I, <laughs> I run around on stage too much. I run around okay. way too much. after a while it kind of felt like i was doing like this game of tag you're it where i had to like get back to home base before the next verse and i was like dude i'm just gonna i'm gonna let the guy who is actually good at this take the reins (laughs) can be like getting better and like climbing across or swinging oh yeah that's the (laughs) 100 that's my wheelhouse i i i go i go spaz out on the stage while while i i let the actual musicians do do the work if you are playing a show though where you do have to play guitar, what would be your optimal guitar and just amp setup for you? Uh typically I would do my Stratocaster with a I haven't done it in so long, but I think it was a a, a Fender Super Champ that I played on for a long time. And I really like the the shimmer on it. It has a great, great built-in reverb, great um great the the mids on it are my favorite. I I love that. I love the mid range on the on the Fender compared to you know playing through a Marshall, which I do. I Marshalls are incredible, but they can tend to get a bit muddy for some of the things that I want to do. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. Very good. All right, what's one piece of gear that you don't have that you that you would get if money were no object? Oh, whew. and that can be recording gear, you know, guitars, anything. That's a good question. I love one of the, the guitars that I fell in love with. I think it's the Chris Cornell Olive Green E355. Is that what it mm-hmm. is? Yeah, it's, yeah. I think that's one of the most beautiful guitars I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, those uh, th- that whole line of 300 series Gibsons are very expensive, and they're only getting more expensive. Oh, oh, absolutely. They appreciate like a like a Rolex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like one of my, I would love to have. A, an actual 335 like a gibson one but man like just crazy you know i don't make my living playing music and i have two kids in college so i'm i'm waiting <laughs> i understand <laughs> um okay we'll move on from gear talk a little bit and we'll just go to some random questions all right we just had holidays just had christmas what is your favorite christmas present you've received of all time it has to be my guitar oh which yeah. your, your first one your little mini mini strat my first one I ever got, I was 11 years old. And that even before I could play it, I would just sit around and watch TV and just keep it on my lap. And it just felt like there was this weird, I'm not like one of those woo woo people, but there was just this weird connection where it was like, okay, I know that music's going to be a part of my life in some way, you know? And that just, that started that kind of relationship with, with me and guitars and gear and all that stuff. So definitely, definitely 11 years old, that Stratocaster. What's the first song you learned how to play? First song I learned how to play was Seven Year or uh, Seven Nation Army by. Uh, okay, we're gonna say you played something from Seven Year Witch right away. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a reason. 
<laughs> oh, that Guitar Hero came in handy then, because that's a lot of riffing. I know, I know. I still couldn't play their stuff if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Um, what's a band that you like that your dad hates? Ooh, that's a good question. He never really understood Motorhead, and I'm such a huge Lemmy Kill Mr. What? Fan. He grew up during the time of Motorhead. What the hell? I know, and he didn't. I, I don't even think he's into Hawkwind. So it's like he just he missed the he missed the boat on that one. But I'm such a I'm such a massive fan of Lemmy, and it, it most of it is is his personality. You just fall sure. in love watching yeah. videos and reading his books and everything. The guy just seemed like he'd be the coolest person ever to have a beer with. Yeah, larger than life. One hundred percent. All right, what's one venue that you want to play at that you've never played before? Any venue? Yeah, any venue. Mercedes Stadium. Wow. That's the one in is that is that Nashville? That's in Atlanta. Wow. That be, Atlanta. That be, okay. That'd be a home show for me, and I think that would be the coolest thing to ever experience. Is Mercedes Stadium where the the Falcons play now? That's yeah, okay. they just they built it about five or six years ago. It used to be the Georgia Dome. Okay, got it. Yeah, because I remember everything was the Georgia Dome. And then with the Braves building new stadiums and moving like every 15, 20 years, I can lose track of Atlanta sports. 100%. Are you a Braves fan? Uh, I assume so. I'm, I'm, not that, <laughs> I'm not that big on, on baseball, but if I'm going to go baseball in, guy. Yeah, I'm not, not super big on it, but I've, I've been to plenty of Braves fans, where I guess I'm a, I'm a Braves fan by default. But if you ask me any stat questions, I'm going to freeze up like crazy. No, I was going to say, who was your favorite Brave of all time? Oh, Chipper Jones. Ah, good choice. Yeah. I grew up in Cincinnati, always a Red fan, but I loved Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, like all those guys from those 90 Braves teams that just kicked the shit out of the Reds. It, no, and it was a magical time for them, too. That was, that, there were some exceptional players. Yeah, Chipper Jones was a badass man. Switch hitter, hit for power, average, good field, leader, like just any, you know, he worked hard too. You're talking about working hard. Like he's a guy who worked hard. Yeah, and he, and he still does work hard. I mean, the guy's retired and he's got like, you know, farmland and stuff. He's just one of those people that has to stay busy. And and that's a country guy. I love seeing that. Do you have a favorite sport though? I do. I love college football. I'm a Florida Gators fan. Uh, between college football and the UFC, that's kind of what I go through. I like contact sports. Okay. All right. So Florida, man, they've had some tough years for a while. Yeah. You, the most common phrase of being a Florida Gators fan is we'll get them next year. <laughs> when, I, when I was going to school in the 90s, college in the 90s, I did have one of my friends was a Florida fan, was went to Florida, but they had some really freaking good teams in the 90s and then just it sort of just went away. Yeah, we, we we peaked in 2006, and then it's been it's been a uphill battle ever since. But take take it or leave it. I love I love the city of Gainesville. I try to get out there as much as I possibly can, and it's it really is. Though I'm a Georgia boy at heart with everything, um, a majority of where I did my raising and growing up and spending summers was all in Central Florida. So that really kind of shaped and molded me into being such a Gators fan. I was, I was going to ask you, like, how do you know, do you have to be on the down low with Georgia Bulldog fans? Uh, I got I got to keep my head down and kind of, you know, <laughs> hide my regular because I might get my, my throat slit out here, especially right now. <laughs> All right. This is going to air after the first round of playoffs go, but who you predicting to win the national championship? Oh, my God. Well, let's before we get on that, let's just talk about what happened with FSU. What's your okay. thoughts? Oh yeah, yeah. It's here. Wait, well, no. What are you? What are your? Oh, thoughts? you want us? Yeah. yeah Listen, 
I think they got screwed because you did everything that they tell you to do. You're undefeated. You win your conference. Like, you win all the games. You're a power five school. I don't give a shit who your quarterback is. You won every game, right? And if you're worried about this quarterback, he had over a month now to practice. To, you know what I mean? They're not they're not recruiting pieces of garbage to come to Florida State. Yeah. Um, Tristan, what do you think? I know I, I'm pretty much on the same page. I think they got – and as much as it – I mean, it, it literally pains me to say this as a Gators fan, but I do think that they, they really were screwed by the NCAA and they should have an opportunity to play. Um, but for your original question, I, I – if I'm going to put money on logic, it's going to be Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Brian, you got to pick for the playoffs. I don't like where, where I live. Uh, my football's <laughs> done. I mean, I'm up in North Dakota, so I'm not a, not a, but you have North Dakota state who wants no, I'm a not a Bison fan. Though. I'm a UND fighting Hawks fan. And oh, right on, right on. Yeah. Their uh, their season's done. Little while Tristan, ago, both so. of my kids go to Ohio State. None of my wife, neither and I went to Ohio State. Um, they're both at Ohio State fans, so I am financially obligated to be an Ohio State fan, but I'm not like a, a crazy fan. Oh, bless your heart, a Buckeye. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was hoping one of them would at least go to Cincinnati, and it was very disappointing that they're both at Ohio State. Hey, hey, good for them to getting in for getting into that school, but also that is that is some of the most insufferable fans I've ever seen in my oh. life. Ooh. Oh, they really are. They really are. And I've lived there in the Columbus area for a long time. And it's, it's, it's really annoying, really the fan base, to be honest with you. And that's, that would really makes me not much of a fan, but again, now I'm financially at stake for them to do well. And now they can't beat Michigan. Ever since my eldest started going to college there, they have lost to Michigan three years in a row. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. I blame him. I blame my son. It's his fault. <laughs> Oh, okay. We'll move. We'll move on from sports. Um, are Are you a guy that likes to stream these streaming services? I absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm one of those people that like my my Spotify is pretty much on twenty four seven. Yep. So, what are the last three artists that you've streamed? Let's see. I was listening to. I can pull that up real quick. I I was listening to some pretty obscure bands. There was a band from the early two thousands called Five Iron Frenzy. And I think they're almost like a like a Christian ska band, which is so so weird for me. Chris, Brian Christian ska. Maybe we should do a podcast on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was weird. It was weird, but they had such a cool sound, um, similar to like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. But I was listening to them yeah. early. I was listening to really early deep cuts of like Eminem from I guess the Encore album, which, like I said, random stuff. And then I finished it off with, I believe. One of the deep cuts from who is this band? Just just super, super random. Oh, oh, oh. It, it was the killers. It was just like a deep cut from the killers. I was like, okay. I really like the killers through their first three or four albums. And I think Samstown is an incredible record. And they just sort of I don't know. I just kind of lost them over time. Brian, were you ever a killers guy? No. All the time you, you spend in Vegas and you don't like the killers, huh? No. <laughs> He's honest. He's honest. Hey, honest. But I, I will say I saw them at a festival a few years back, and they, they put on a hell of a show. They're very energetic. I believe it. I actually have – sorry, Brian. I have a concert 
DVD that they did in England, like from, I think it was when their third record had come out, like Spaceman and some other songs on it, which was really good. They were very, very entertaining. I've never seen them live in person, though. That's so funny you said it was an England tape, because I swear to God, for years, I thought they were a British band. They kind of have that, like, you know, like, they're not like Muse, but they're, you could put them in that category with a lot of those bands, Arctic Monkeys, yeah, he, Muse, all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it, it's always interesting when you have a, have artists singing with kind of a, like a faux British accent, because apparently American accents are easier to sing with, but in the same vein, I've seen so many people that sound like me and then go upstage and try to sing country and it's everything sounds like this i'm like where did that come from <laughs> i'm just gonna start singing in a scottish accent from here on out <laughs> <laughs> well so, you could you, you could do a christian ska music with a scottish accent how about 100%, that percent? <laughs> yeah I, I know nothing about it you will be your own algorithm your own category because <laughs> nobody's doing that yeah i can i can officially claim myself as the king of that genre Christian Scottish Scott. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boom, got it nailed. Hell yeah. <laughs> you can do it as an avatar. <laughs> That's yeah, incredible. Do you, like, do you like what Kiss is doing? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, oh my God. Brian, Brian's Brian, you're are you still a Kiss fan, Brian? I know you like Kiss a lot growing up. From the yeah. 70s, just like Aerosmith from the 70s. Yeah. Okay. More than that. Christian Scott or Scott. Okay, let's move away from Christian Scott or Scott a little bit. If you could pick any band or artist, living or dead, to perform with for one night on stage, who you choose them? Dave Grohl. Oh, Dave Grohl, nice. What song would you absolutely have to do with Dave? Ah, uh, I would. I would say either Big Me or The Pretender. Ooh, love, so an old Big one and a newer one. Yeah. Exactly. One's a little bit more of a a ballad that you could have a little fun with singing, but I, I just the energy of Pretender. I remember hearing that song for the first time on radio, and it, it was like someone put a rocket up my ass. Like it was, it was just an absolute chaotic adrenaline-based song, and I still love that song to this day. If you could have him play drums and then you do a song, any song you want, what are we choosing? If we're doing from a any cover, artist, anything you want. Oh man. Uh, I mean, if he wants to get on this new track, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to boost my algorithm a lot. My new single coming out next year, I, I would love for him to jump on that one. Dave, if you're listening to our podcast, who knows, you may love Southern and, and Blues music. Um, you heard Tristan. You, I'm sure you can. You got contacts in this year. You look him up. Come on, Mr. Grohl. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. You're a songwriter. Yes, What's one song that you hear that you're like, it's so damn good you wish you'd written it? Blowing in the the answer is blowing in the wind by Bob Dylan. Nice. Is such Bob a, Dylan the greatest American songwriter of all time? I, I, I think it goes without saying. And I will agree with that. I'm not a huge Dylan as a performer fan, but I'm gonna tell you why I think Bob Dylan's the greatest songwriter of American songwriter, or maybe greatest songwriter of all time, very possible. Is there have been so many different bands and people that have covered his songs. They all sound good, different styles, different people, men, women. And that is the mark of a great songwriter when anybody can kind of take your song and do a really good job with their version of it. You know, and, Absolutely. and what that reminds me of is uh, I was thinking of this about the Grateful Dead, but Bob Dylan, you could be a Bob Dylan tribute band in any sort of 
you could be a jazz Bob Dylan tribute band. You could be a reggae Bob Dylan tribute band. You could be a you know acoustic rock soul blues. Any you know same thing. You could do, it, same, you could do it in spoken word poetry if you wanted to. It would yeah. Just, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, shit. Again, Guns N' Roses over your left shoulder. They covered Dylan. You know, like yeah. on Heaven's Door. They they sound great. Like there's just so many, and that's what again to me is why I would say Bob Dylan is the greatest songwriter, greatest American songwriter, because his shit's so good no matter what you do. Absolutely, and and then, and it it really is magical when you can feel something. Like I've been brought to tears by just the original re recordings from Dylan, and it's not it it has it it's an testament to how cool music is because it's not sonically it's not the best sounding voice obviously right, right. but it just it hits a nerve and it's done it for hundreds of millions of people throughout his seven, almost 70 year long career and that's that's just the the magic of what music is is like it doesn't have to be the most sonically perfect it doesn't have to be the best singer the best guitar playing but if the if there's a realness and a tangible authenticity that you can relate to it's done and that's why punk has had its 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 power it's it's why disco jazz country bluegrass all these different genres they don't have to necessarily be the most technically gifted but if it's something that hits you in the right way you're 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 melting now could you cover a, a bob dylan song and still be good as christian scottish ska that's a good question because i don't know you, you got to put a lot of inflection on, on on god in a, in a dylan song so i don't know how you're gonna, you're gonna find that he does have songs that mention God, so you're gonna have to pick the right one that's gonna fit. Exactly, you know exactly. What? You got you gotta have to nitpick the right ones. Uh, you're gonna on this first EP, you're gonna have to have this hidden track where you do a Dylan song in, in that style. Yeah, well, what what would be the? Oh, I know, I'm, perfect song. You got to serve somebody. Ooh, you could you could you could do that. You could get some beats. Yeah, yeah. You you could. I'll, I'll find a way. <laughs> you could do it. I think we're onto something here, Brian. Dylan Scott <laughs> tribute song. <laughs> oh my god! All right, um, you're a UFC guy. If you, if who could you take in a fight from all of your fellow musicians that you know you could take? I, I, you don't I, have to hate them. This is not a hate. You just like out of all musicians. Yeah, like anybody. Like who? If you had to fight a musician, who could you say I could take that person? Prince. Prince, Prince. He was a little. He's guy. dead. He's dead. Well, that's true. Of course, that's true. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, nowadays, I I think I could go toe to toe with the lead singer from Seven Year Witch. I think me and him could. You guys yeah. could get after pretty good. I would oh, pick we're about the same height. I'd pick a geriatric. I like a really old person, just because okay. I know at that point I could I could get him. <laughs> well, if that's the case, I, if that's the case, I'm gonna say Willie Nelson. See, exactly. Not that anybody would ever fight Willie because everybody likes Willie, but just say, okay, if you like defending on it, you got to pick a fellow musician that you know you could beat up, you know? Yeah, yeah, I got I to go with Willie, and I love yeah. Willie to death. And, and if you said you were going to fight him, you'd say, come on my bus for a couple minutes, and it'd probably change your mind. You'd be like, what? what was I going to do? I mean, yeah, like, why are we fighting? What were you talking about? You got any chips? <laughs> Speaking of Willie, so we were just over at my in-law's uh, – for, for Christmas Eve. Now, my in-laws, my father-in-law is actually from the Netherlands. My mother-in-law is from Germany. But he had recorded uh, Highwaymen special 
off of PBS to watch, like even a dude, 80 year old dude from the Netherlands loves Willie Nelson. Nelson. That's I, I love that because that, that just goes to show how universal a good songwriter or a good band or a good artist can, it just, it, it's crazy because if you ever watch those videos of like Metallica playing in Russian right or in Russia right after the Soviet yep. Union, well, they just is, played in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it just completely transcends, and everyone knows the lyrics. Everyone knows the riffs. Like it's just that that just warms my heart because I'm like this. This is like one of the last universal like mediums that exists. <laughs> All right, last song for our lightning round. We'll get you on your way. So. Obviously, you, you've seen a lot in your young career and then also growing up in the scene. So give us a good story, uh, a story you tell somebody about something you had seen or experienced from your time in music, whether it's you performing or the family performing. But like, give us a good story. What sticks out in your mind? Definitely playing in bars, getting started. You see a lot of interesting characters. And yep. uh, I saw my, my original guitar player. I watched him almost fist fight a dude while still playing a guitar solo, which was pretty impressive. So that that how did that come about? Uh, some dude got drunk and tried to try to steal the show, and he brought a big bar stool and slammed it about a quarter of an inch away from my mic, where it knocked me in my teeth. I got oh. I got discombobulated for a second and started singing, and my guitar player was screaming obscenities at him, basically telling him to you know. Yeah, move and the whole time he's playing a guitar solo to I forget what song but I mean he's ripping it while he's simultaneously, simultaneously telling this guy he's about to kick his ass <laughs> it was impressive yeah right that's a true skill of a guitar player if you can fight 100%. and pick at the same time 100% well Tristan thanks so much man we really appreciate you coming on it's good to get to know you and get your see your career get started where do we send our listeners to go to find out all about you, your music, your tour dates, all the good stuff? Absolutely. Uh, Spotify, Tristan Tritt, Instagram, Tristan Tritt, um, TristanTritt.com. And we're going to have the new music coming out very soon. Check out the old catalog of Nervous System Overload, No Filter, all the songs that we've already released. But it's going to be kick-ass. And then don't forget, we're going on tour next year with America Part 2 starting February 22nd. So I'll see you all out there. Yeah, February 22nd starts in Atlanta, Georgia. Saturday, March 9th ends in Columbia, South Carolina. Over to you, Brian. Well, thank you so much to Tristan Tritt. Uh, the latest single is No Filter. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a yeah. blast. And, you know, we I don't want to sound weird, but there's certain folks that we get a really good vibe with, like right away, like get fond of them. And, dude, anytime <laughs> you want to come back, man, totally, we want you to be a regular. And we are going to be listening to your music and supporting you and doing anything the weekend so thank you so much for coming on thank y'all for thank y'all for having me i've had an absolute blast talking with you guys and i hope you all have an awesome awesome week thanks to tristan tritt for coming on and being a guest with us i you know i'm convinced that there uh were triplets that were separated at birth that'd be dylan palmero sam bam and tristan i think they all look the <laughs> same they all kind of sound the same jason are you here they're all uh, some. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Am I back? Okay. Weird. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Audio glitch. All right. Is this better? It is good. Or am I delayed? Am I no, delayed? you're delayed. I'll start over. Okay. <laughs> 
Thanks for Tristan Tritt for coming on and chatting with us it was a, a great conversation as always. And I'm convinced that there are triplets that were separated at birth. I think Dylan Palmero, Sam Bam and Tristan all remind me of each other. They all, you know, it's, they look similar. So I think somewhere long ago, 20 years ago, an experiment was done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I get that. They're all around the same age. Um, Good dude. Like he is very smart, well-versed and has a great head on his shoulder for being new to the music as well. New being a solo artist in the industry. I was really impressed talking to him. Yeah. And, and once again, it's always great to talk to a young dude who is into all sorts of great music that, you know, that we were listening to in our twenties and still always do, you know, and, and surprisingly enough, and I hadn't thought about this before, but like, he got turned on to that stuff from Guitar Hero. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool to me. And I'm surprised we had not heard that answer before. But it makes a lot of sense because if you're going to play Guitar Hero, you're going to have to put these songs, these good guitar songs on it, right, for people to do. And there's not a lot of modern music or, you know, stuff that came out in the early mid-2000s-ish that would really fit that. So by cribbing stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s, when guitar playing was really a, a high-prestige thing, makes a lot of sense so yeah i gotta i gotta uh, be thankful to to uh guitar hero i don't think i'd hear myself say that before I, i've never tried <laughs> to play it so maybe it's cool who knows yeah i played it years 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 ago when the kids had a wii when they were younger and we had one of the games it was you know i played real real guitar so it's yeah. not quite <laughs> the same you know but again for somebody younger to say hey what are these songs that are really cool they sound cool i don't care what gets somebody inspired to listen to those type of musics or want to play that type of music or play guitar i think it's great it is awesome yeah yeah not much of a video game guy but uh you gotta thank him for that but uh yep again but anyway i think that the guy's got a, a good head on his shoulders brian he's doing the right thing he's working hard making it on his own way i've, I've kind of and i've liked what he's put out so far so it ought to be interested to see where he goes yeah and just like graham you know not not dependent on his dad for you know, besides having the you know the last name, but not dependent on him to coast on his coattails or anything like that is, and and, and I think that's a good uh, good uh, it's a test to you know his his dad going you know hey man you gotta you gotta grind it out. Absolutely, absolutely, and then it was game for a lot of fun conversations on on the lightning round, a lot of fun. Uh, just really was really enjoyable to talk to him, man. I hope I really do hope he has a lot of success. Yeah, I'm looking forward to everything that he's got to offer, man. He's got some good music coming up, I feel. So, you know, until some of the more music comes along, always remember Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
filter, no filter. I'm holding up a mirror so you can see it clearer. You're not as picture perfect, cut and dry as you appear. Yeah, it's all inside your mind. Will you that you're never gonna find? Naked, there's no way you can hide. No filter, cover up the light. One take, I can see behind your eyes. No filter, no filter. One pill, you can swallow every time. No prayers ever gonna make it right. One take, I can see behind your eyes. No filter, no filter. No filter One pill you can swallow every time No prayers ever gonna make it right One take I can see behind your eyes No filter No filter No filter It's NFL draft season And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 